the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. show hasn't been funny in years an snl podcast i am your host nick digilio i'm a podcaster comedy writer and performer graduate of second city a saturday night live expert and historian and each week we look back at everything snl the best the worst the good the bad the classic the forgotten we'll talk about full seasons full cast behind the scenes stories episodes sketches snl's historical significance and much much more sometimes i'll have guests sometimes i won't But with every episode, I will always prove that that tired cliche that you hear all the time, that show hasn't been funny in years, is absolutely wrong. And today's episode, which is episode number 30, is entitled, Uh Uh-Oh, It's Dice. Uh, I decided to uh, to do this uh, podcast um, uh, now because as I record this, we are a couple of days, uh, it's a couple of days after uh, the great Sinead O'Connor. Uh, passed away untimely at uh, at uh, the age of 56. And if you go back um, to episode number 17 of this podcast, that show hasn't been funny in years, you will hear that the entire episode is dedicated to uh, the time that uh, Sinead O'Connor appeared on Saturday Night Live uh, when Tim Robbins hosted in October of 1992 and tore up the picture of the Pope. And I did an entire episode about why it happened, how it happened, what were the circumstances um, and uh, and the backlash and all the things that happened after it. Um, and if you are interested in Sinead O'Connor at all um, as an artist and as a human, you should check out that uh, that episode where I go through every single uh, step and uh, play back audio and play back a bunch of stuff from that show. Uh, and the moment itself, the historical uh, moment where Sinead O'Connor tore up that picture. Uh, now, one of the other times that she was supposed to be on Saturday Night Live is uh, would have taken place in the episode that I am talking about here. And that would have been uh, the 19th episode of season 15. So that's season 15, episode 19, which aired on May 12, 1990. And that was when the infamous Andrew Dice Clay hosted and Sinead was scheduled to be the musical guest, only she boycotted. Um, and uh, the episode uh, had a lot of controversy for a couple of weeks. The whole buildup to the episode was unbelievable. The press was all over it. And most famously, cast member Nora Dunn, who was not a fan of Andrew Dice Clay, uh, boycotted the show and refused to appear on the episode, and musical guest Sinead O'Connor also dropped out in protest. Uh, they were replaced. Musical guest Sinead O'Connor was replaced by the Spanic Boys, that band, the Spanic Boys, and Julie Cruz, who was best known as the woman who sang uh, the songs and appeared on uh, David Lynch's Twin Peaks and had a, a moment of 15 minutes of fame because of that. So those were the replacement musical guests for Sinead O'Connor. Nora Dunn was the only cast member who boycotted. The female cast members left uh, in um, the cast, uh, Jan Hooks, Victoria Jackson. Um, they stayed and they did the show. Um, and a lot of the other cast members stayed on as well. Every other cast member, the only person who, who protested and did not appear was Nora Dunn. And this caused quite uh, a lot of friction in the cast. Uh, a lot of people were mad at Nora Dunn for doing this. Many, many people think it's a, it was a publicity stunt. And after I go through this episode, I will read you all the quotes uh, and all the thoughts from uh, people like uh, Rick Ludwig, who's a producer for Saturday Night Live, Victoria Jackson, We'll hear from her, from Lauren Michaels. I'll tell you about what they said. And, of course, Jan Hooks, very outspoken about her critical thoughts on why Nora Dunn did it. A lot of people thought Nora Dunn did it for the publicity. Um, This was uh, the second-to-last episode of the season, and uh, Nora Dunn's contract was up. So a lot of people very cynically thought, and also 
you know, legitimately thought that Nora Dunn was doing this, not because she really felt, you know, that she needed to protest Andrew Dice Clay being there, but because her contract was up and it would be a really great way to get publicity. And if she was not going to renew her contract, she wanted to get a lot and a lot of press. And uh, that seems to be a legitimate uh, complaint that uh, that many of the cast members, especially uh, uh, Victoria Jackson and Nora Dunn had. Uh, because because of Nora Dunn, you know, not doing the show, Victoria Jackson and um, and uh, and Jan Hooks were sort of left out in the and the feminist media and a lot of the women who sided with Nora Dunn and a lot of the people who sided with Nora Dunn um, uh, uh, really went after uh, uh, Jan Hooks and went after Victoria Jackson. How can you do this show? Nora Dunn is being brave. And it just was not good. So there was a lot of controversy leading up to it. And at that time, Andrew Dice Clay was unbelievably controversial. Um, he, the backlash started against him. He became popular about four years earlier with a Rodney Dangerfield comedy special and then built up this persona. If you don't know who Andrew Dice Clay is, um, he's an actor who plays this persona, this Brooklyn misogynistic, racist, xenophobic cigar or cigarette smoking Brooklyn, yo, tough guy with a leather jacket who says really offensive stuff about every kind of person on the planet, whether whatever, whatever sexuality they have or whatever race they are or whatever background they have. Uh, Dice would say something to offend every type of human being on the planet. That was his shtick. It was a character that Andrew uh, was playing. And uh, I happen to think that uh, early on uh, in his career, I thought, I thought Andrew Dice Clay was very funny. I thought the character was offensive and ridiculous and completely over the top. But then when the fan base started to take it seriously, and when uh, what was essentially an over-the-top character that you could not possibly think was real, and the incredibly offensive and ridiculous stuff that came out of his mouth, the fact that there was a good portion of the population who took this as gospel and were taking it real, that was disturbing, and that was a problem. But I've always said... Sometimes you can't blame the fan base for what the artist is doing. Um, and that's how I felt about Dice. Uh, he wore out his welcome. And at this point, it was right before the movie uh, Ford Fairlane was going to be released, which was like his big star vehicle. He had done a few movies before that. And he was selling out uh, Madison Square Garden. He was at the top of his game. But the backlash started probably about six months before he was asked to do this episode. Uh, there was a lot of anti-Dice sentiment in the air. A lot of people hated him. He was catching a lot of shit, big time. And uh, when the movie came out, the Andrew Dice Clay movie, uh, Ford, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, it bombed. And at that point, the protest began, the backlash began, and he had a famous like sort of meltdown where he cried on uh, Arsenio Hall's show because the press were against him and you know people were against him. And he was hated. He was one of the most hated entertainers on the planet for a good stretch of time. Um, in the uh, early 90, uh, early 1990 and through 91. So this episode took place on May 12, 1990. The hatred had started to begin. The protests began, and it was right before his movie came out, which would come out in uh, July. So this is uh, a, a, you know, a look back at that infamous episode where Andrew Dice Clay hosted. Um, and it turned out that uh, Andrew Dice Clay, you know, just I just watched the episode again, hadn't seen it in many years, but it turned out that they deconstructed Andrew Dice Clay a lot. The writers, uh, a pretty good writing staff. By the way, the cast was Dana Carvey, Nora Dunn, who obviously did not appear, Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks, Victoria Jackson, John Lovitz, Dennis Miller, Mike Myers, Kevin Nealand, A. Whitney Brown, and Al Franken were featured. And by the way, this was the very first show that David Spade ever made an appearance. And it also was the very first show that Rob Schneider ever made an appearance. Uh, and there were a lot of self-referential jokes in it. It was a very meta show before meta became meta and meta became a thing. Um, you know, they really, a lot of the jokes during the entire show were about what happened during that week. Um, the writers really took hold of all the controversy and they, they really made it a self-referential thing. They acknowledged the fact that people hated Dice. They acknowledged the fact that Nora Dunn wasn't there and Sinead O'Connor wasn't there. Um, and, uh, and they wrote sketches about Dice being Dice and taking the character apart and making his fan base look stupid. So they really, really did. The writers really did concentrate and take that full week of controversy and a lot of press, and they wrote it into the show, and they kind of made Dice a little bit easier to, to take, even in his monologue. Um, you know, the monologue was the closest it got to Dice being Dice. He told a, a couple of off-color and anti-woman jokes, um, 
And as you'll hear, uh, there were protesters in the audience and uh, during his monologue who had to be taken out uh, because they were, you know, disturbing uh, the, the whole moment. And this actually kind of marked the death, if you will. It signaled the end of kind of character-based stand-up comedy. You know, people like Andy Kaufman and Bobcat Goldthwait, Joel Hodgson, um, the Emo Phillips, Judy Tenuta. These are, you know, like these sort of like fake characters that comedians were doing. This whole thing kind of signaled a little bit of an end because it was very, very popular in the late 70s and all through the 80s were character-based stand-up comedians where the person would come out on stage and not at all be who they were in real life. And that was what Dice was doing. And all of this stuff that happened to Dice signaled an end to that sort of character, fake character, stand-up persona thing. Um, and yeah, uh, so so let's go through let's go through it. There were a lot of other things you know that that are notable about it. And like I mentioned, it's David Spade and Rob Schneider's first one, first episode, and it kind of signaled a changing of the guard. Actually, when Spade showed up and Schneider showed up, uh, it kind of signaled a, a change into the frat boy humor that became very popular in the early to mid '90s. And Nora Dunn may have been onto something actually because. Uh, Spade's first show and Snyder's first show is this, and that eventually opened up the doors to your Farleys, to your Sandlers, and to all the other uh, uh, frat boy, dick joke, fart joke, guy joke, crotch jokes that dominated uh, the frat boy, boys club era of the mid-90s. And all of that really kind of started with this. So, all right, we're going back to um, May of uh, 1990. And uh, so what happened was there was a cold open where, every, like I said, there was a lot of press here leading up to this episode. Um, by the way, the ratings for this episode were through the roof. And the reason why they were through the roof is because the nonstop coverage on Entertainment Tonight and all the other entertainment channels and magazines and TV shows and the TV Guide, everywhere, every piece of the media was slamming SNL. The attention was fully on SNL, Andrew Dice Clay, and this episode in particular. So the ratings were through the roof simply because people were curious to see what everybody was so angry about and why Sinead wasn't there and why Nora Dunn wasn't there. So uh, you get a cold open, and this cold open completely acknowledges that. The beginning of this is a takeoff of It's a Wonderful Life. At the beginning of the show, Andrew Dice Clay, as himself, is standing on a bridge, not unlike the beginning of It's a Wonderful Life, and he's going to jump off the bridge and kill himself. He wishes he were never born because of all of the problems he's causing this week on Saturday Night Live. So instead of uh, an angel showing up, the devil shows up, played by John Lovitz, and he takes him through uh, his life and what would happen if he ne was never born and never hosted this episode of Saturday Night Live. So right out of the gate, in the cold open, they acknowledge the fact that, uh, you know, Dice wishes he were never born and wishes he would never have caused all of these problems for SNL, and the devil comes to help. Here we are. Where? Studio 8H, home of Saturday Night Live. This is the show you were supposed to host. But because you were never born, Frank Zappa was booked instead. Oh, my God! Tell me about it. Zappa went on an anti-censorship rant for about 70 minutes. But with the thought police in Washington watching us on their telescreens, Big Brother Bush and his assistant Reich Marshal Tipper will indubitably prevail and freedom of speech will go the way of eight-track tapes. The ratings plummeted and led to the immediate cancellation of the show. That's horrible. That's not the worst of it. Behold. What is that? That is Nora Dunn. <laughs> because you were never born, she was here that night and was accidentally crushed by Sinead O'Connor's amplifier. That's awful. O'Connor felt so terrible, she never sang again. Uh, that's too bad. She was a cute bald chick. <laughs> so what else? What else? Did anything else happen because they didn't live? Yes. Because your fans had their evenings free, they were able to graduate high school. <laughs> That's bad, I'm telling you. What a waste. But tell me, devil, what about my film? The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, which opens on, uh, what does that say? July 6, 1990. It did open and was a smash hit, launching the career of the most brilliant comedic actor of his generation, 
John Lovitz. <laughs> John Lovitz? Yeah. You mean that liar guy? It wasn't his only character. <laughs> hey, look, I can't allow that to happen, you know what I mean? Take me back, guardian devil. I want to live. I want to live. Oh, I want to live. Very well, Dice Man. I grant you your wish. Live from New York, it's Saturday night! So there you go. Um, and, uh, you know, so, uh, there it is, they're acknowledging it and they do a you know, funny bit. It's, uh, it's very hilarious that, uh, they showed these two legs, uh, underneath two giant amplifiers. And when he says that's Nora Dunn, the place kind of goes nuts because <laughs> at this point, Nora Dunn was kind of, uh, either you took her side or you didn't. And either way you were angry about it. So it was interesting that they did that. And it was also very clear that the writers, which you will hear. Uh, when I get to uh, when I at the, a, after we go through this episode, I will go through what the writers, what the staff, what her co-stars said about her. They were pissed at her. They were very, very angry at Nora Dunn. They thought it was not a brave thing that she did. They thought it was calculated and not cool. Uh, so we'll get to that in a second. So then the monologue starts. And by the way, in the opening credits, Nora Dunn is in the opening credits. Um, and of course, she doesn't appear. But because those opening credits, uh, you know are filmed at the beginning of the season and run regularly throughout. She still appears in the show, introduces though she were going to be uh, in the show, but never makes an appearance. And that, by the way, is, uh, is mentioned at the very end of the show during Good Nights when Don Pardo comes back to tell you what's going to be on next week. And that's probably one of my favorite parts, if not my favorite part of this entire show. Okay, so Dice comes out, got a crazy you know, jacket on. He comes out with the cigarette, blah, blah, blah. He's going to do his monologue, and then uh, something interesting happens within the crowd. Here we go. How are you? <laughs> That's about all I could say tonight, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> How are you? Because, you know, I I'll tell you something. Some of you might recognize this particular jacket because... You see, the only other time I wore this jacket... All right, snaphead, sit down, shut your mouth, and pay attention, all right? Oh, relax, would you? That's the type of guy that hangs out in this men's room to smell other people's crap all day long. Oh, loosen up, eh? Just because I didn't want to go out with you, pal, don't mean I don't dig you. <laughs> you did very good. Now go home and tell Dad what a man you are. <laughs> Unbelievable. I try to be a good guy. I know you do. How can't you? So, well, we love your dice, and I know you do. How can't you? So that's how he dealt with it. Um, and there were protesters. There were a lot of protesters outside, and they got in. And uh, there were security was very, very tight. They went through metal detectors, actually, uh, for the first time. But what's interesting about this, that the, the heckling situation, I mean, Dice did the best he could. He got a little, you know, he did his Dice thing. Oh, go smell other people's crap. He did that kind of stuff. Not necessarily witty or genius. But he did handle it, and they escorted those people out. Um, and interesting that the heckling portion of the monologue would later be replaced in reruns with the dress rehearsal version, which goes along smoothly with no heckling, with no protests at all. And SNL did the same thing a couple of years later when Sharon Stone hosted, and her monologue was interrupted by protesters who protested uh, uh, what, they, what they thought was an anti, uh, uh, what they thought was homophobic uh, and anti-lesbian uh, stuff in ba and Basic Instinct. So there were protesters in the audience during her monologue who protested and screamed and had to be escorted out. And then in reruns, they, they made it to the live show, but in reruns, both the protests on Dice, during Dice's monologue and the protests during Sharon Stone's monologue a couple of years later would be cut out. So they make it through the monologue, and then we get into the show. The first uh, sketch um, is called The Dice Man Employment Agency. And uh, it is Dice, Jan Hooks, Victoria Jackson, Kevin Nealon, John Lovitz, Mike Myers as a gangster. Uh, and it's uh, Andrew Dice Clay runs an, an employment agency, and it's the total stereotype. He's Dice, but oh, we'll get you a job. And uh, people come in, and like Kevin Nealon comes in, he's a teacher, but he, 
he tells Kevin Nealon, you should go out and sell crack, and it's loaded with stereotypes. It's not very funny. Uh, Victoria Jackson comes in. He says that she should be a hooker. Uh, Jan Hooks plays uh, the secretary of the Dice Man Agency, and she's, like, doing Dice's accent. So it's full of, like, Italian stereo, Brooklyn stereotypes, and you should sell crack, and you should be a hooker. Not very funny. And then Mike Myers comes in as a gangster, um, and it just, it's not funny at all. And Dice is really relying on his cue cards very heavily. And then that leads to the first of a few running gags where in TV Guide, they used to do this thing called Cheers and Jeers, where each week in TV Guide, they would pick uh, something that happened, a piece of programming or a trend in television, and they would say uh, cheers if it was a good trend or a good moment of television, or jeers if it was a bad moment and a moment they hated or a bad trend. Well, so they did the cheers and jeers, and they were almost cheers, um, no, almost jeers through the entire show. So right after the unemployment sketch, uh, the employment agency sketch, the first cheers, jeers joke happened. Jeers to Saturday Night Live for its sexist employment agency sketch, in which a woman is offered the job of prostitute, while a man is offered the more prestigious and higher-paying job of drug dealer. What's next? A skit glorifying Hitler? So that was uh, uh, Dana Carvey dressed up as Hitler. And so it was like, oh, jeers, uh, you know, blah, 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 the Hitler sketch. And then that led, led to another jeers joke leading into the commercial. So the TV Guide tears and cheers and jeers stuff happened uh, throughout the show. After that was the anal retentive chef, which didn't have dice in it. He was resting in the back. And that was, of course, uh, Phil Hartman, the great Phil Hartman, playing the anal retentive gene, the anal retentive chef. Hilarious. And also making it even an even better uh, sketch was that Jan Hooks appeared in it with him alongside playing his mother. And it's a very, very funny sketch. Um, of course, you know, it is because Phil Hartman was the best and Jan Hooks was one of the greatest. And when they worked together, it was always magic. And to have them on stage together playing the anal retentive chef and his mother, great. One of the best sketches of the night, one of the highest moments of the night, but of course it didn't involve dice. So we're going to move on. But anal retentive chef with his mom, fantastic. And then the first uh, musical guest came out. Uh, they needed two musical guests to replace Sinead O'Connor. That's how goddamn great Sinead O'Connor is. Spanic boys came out. I still don't know who they are. Uh, they did their first performance, and they performed, and it was fine. And then Update comes. Dennis uh, uh, Miller uh, was Update's uh, host at that time. He was your anchor. And by the way, this episode was the very first weekend update that had the dancing Statue of Liberty during the Update intro scene. And then that would go on to be a tradition for, uh, for Dennis's tenure uh, as the anchor person. So this would be the first time that the dancing Statue of Liberty uh, would, be, would, would be there to open Update. So uh, Dennis Miller was, uh, was your uh, anchor, and of course they made self-referential jokes and references to the fact that Dice was hosting, and it was because, you know, if you do a, a, news, a, a satire of a news program and Saturday Night Live makes the news, obviously it's going to be a part of Update. So they did a few of those jokes. But one of the things that really stood out about this, not a great update by any stretch of the imagination, because I would say 80% of the jokes were picture-related. So they would put a picture up over... Miller's shoulder, and then he would make a joke about the picture or misinterpret what the picture was. Uh, like a hand, there was a picture that looked like a hand was on someone's crotch, and it was, he, made, he would make a hand on crotch joke. Basically, you, were take, you would take a picture of someone uh, and, and reinterpret it. So all of the jokes, 90% of the jokes were Dennis Miller looking at a picture, making a joke about it, that that's not what the picture really is. So that's what they were. Uh, annoying Man came out, played by John Lovitz, and it wasn't funny. It was annoying. And again, it was the very first, um, the very first appearance <laughs> of, uh, of, of Michael J. Fox. And uh, here's one of the first, uh, here's a little clip from up. This week at the all-woman Mills College in California, they announced that the school would go co-ed. And here's what happened. It voted to admit men... <laughs> The first lucky male to register for matriculation is our own Andrew Dice Clay. So that was a funny joke, a very funny joke. And, and there was real footage of, a, of, a, of an all-female school. They were going to now allow men into the, into the school, and the women went nuts. And, 
the Andrew Dice Clay joke. Very funny there. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, it's the very first time that David Spade made an appearance on Saturday Night Live. And this was right when the Back to the Future sequels were released. And it was about uh, seven months after Casualties of War came out. So they had him play Michael J. Fox. And this was the setup. It was a celebrity corner. And Dennis Miller saying, I just want to play this because I love David Spade's um, I love his impression of Michael J. Fox. It's one of my favorites. This was the very first time David Spade was ever on SNL doing a Michael J. Fox impression on Weekend. J. Fox, he just finished filming the second and third installments back-to-back, and now he's on location in the Philippines. Michael, what are you doing down there? Hey, Dennis, uh, I'm doing Casualties of War, three, two, three, and four back-to-back. Sounds like a lot of work, Mike. Uh, so you've got Future 3 coming out now. I remember in the second one you played three characters other than yourself. What's going to happen in this one? Oh, hey, Dennis, this one's even better. You know, I play 14 different characters, including a, uh, a dog in a chair. It's going to be a real stretch. Sounds great. Hey, hey, Mike, give us a scene from Casualties 2, babe. Oh, yeah, you want a little taste? Yeah. Hey, Sarge, um, what are we doing here exactly, uh, you know, you gotta give me a minute on this, Sarge, Mallory? Michael, thank you, Michael, okay, thank you, Michael So that's, uh, that's, I love David Spade's Michael J. Fox, that was hilarious, anyway, I just played that because it was funny, and that, by the way, the very first time David Spade appeared on SNL on the dice episode. Uh, and then, you know, throughout the thing, there were acknowledged throughout the episode, there were acknowledgements of, you know, uh, of dice being there of the controversy of the news that it caused and of Nora Dunn and Sinead O'Connor's protesting. And this is how Dennis Miller closed this, uh, uh, section of, uh, update. This is how he closed update that week. You know, I just want to go on record right now saying I'm going to boycott next week's Candy Bergen show, and I think you know why. Guess what, folks? That's the news, and I am out of here. So there it is. Uh, Dennis Miller is going to protest the Candace Bergen episode next week. Okay, so update ends. We continue in the show, by, by, by at this point, not very good. Update, not very good. Loaded with really cheap and dumb jokes about reinterpreting pictures. <laughs> not the way that they really are. And the next one was the sketch is an after-school special called What's Sex, Dad? Uh, and it, it, it has Andrew Dice Clay teaching his kid about sex, played by Mike Myers. And it's everything that you think it is. It's Andrew Dice Clay using all the wrong terms and being beeped out. And then Phil Hartman shows up as a guy from Planned Parenthood uh, who gives notes on this after-school special where Dice teaches his kid, played by Mike Myers, about sex. It's not a very... It's, again, it's a one-joke thing. It's Andrew Dice Clay saying offensive things and terms about the, the, the human body, the female body and the male body, and how to blah, blah, blah. And then Phil Hartman shows up. Um, he also gets to say stuff like, you know, boinger and tallywhacker and things like that. And it's not very funny. And then that's followed up with the next TV Guide Cheers Jeers bit. Cheers to Saturday Night Live for a skit in which a father thoughtfully explains sex to his son. Although we didn't see the skit, we feel, wait a minute, we were tricked. Jeers to Saturday Night Live. Jeers. So being uh, meta again, this is like this. This episode is loaded with meta isms before meta became meta. Loaded with them. Uh, I will say this though: you got to hear a lot of Don Pardo, and I always like it when you get to hear a lot of the great, the late great Don Pardo. All right, so uh, Dad, what's sex? The that after school special followed by the Jeers joke is now goes into a talk radio segment, a wacky radio segment featuring uh, Kevin Nealon as Tony Taylor, who is like a DJ, talk radio, but also music player. Uh, his co-host is played by Victoria Jackson, and they take a bunch of phone calls and they do a bunch. Of, it's a terrible sketch, a terrible sketch. This was the second time they did the Tony uh, trailer, uh, you know, DJ radio guy with Kevin Nealon and the phone calls weren't funny. The setup was terrible. The jokes were one note. Kevin Nealon, by the way, was all over the place during this sketch. I don't know if he couldn't see the cue cards or he couldn't read them or he didn't know what the hell was happening or maybe they didn't rehearse it. I have no idea. I don't know how this sketch even happened. It's a terrible sketch. Victoria Jackson screaming a lot through it. Uh, Dice uh, does not appear in the sketch, so you can't blame him. 
<laughs> so, you know, even if people don't like this episode, if they have problems with it, some of the worst stuff didn't involve Dice. So this was not Dice's fault. This was a terrible, terrible sketch with Kevin Nealon as a wacky radio guy. Uh, that didn't work. And then Jan Hooks comes out to, uh, uh, you know, to talk about the protests that happened, Sinead O'Connor, and more specifically, Nora Dunn. This is the great Jan Hooks, and for me, this is the highlight of the whole show. Hello, I'm Jan Hooks. As you know, thank you. As you know, this week's show has been surrounded by controversy, and one of my fellow cast members has refused to appear tonight. Now, I, on the other hand, have decided not to boycott the show because, well, frankly, I didn't have the guts. But I have decided to protest tonight in a different way by giving a lackluster performance. Yes. That's right, Lauren. Do you hear me, Lauren? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but I did not give 100% in the two sketches I was in. <laughs> no, I didn't. I really was not giving my all. And yet they still worked, don't you think? But that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. It is. I mean, my talent is not the issue here. And all the talent in the world is not going to make Andrew Dice Clay go away. I mean, the answers are not easy, people. They're not. Actually, I think I can put it best with a song. <laughs> Have you ever had to make up your mind? <laughs> Say yes to one and let the other behind. Jan? Yeah. Jan. What? Um, you were only supposed to use 30 seconds. Oh, that's right. Well, um, you know what? That's good. That's better because I am not legitimizing this thing, this man, this whatever they say he is. I'm angry, I'm angry, really. Angry. We'll be right back. So uh, that's, it was a great bit. It was her acknowledging, you know, that Nora Dunn, and she clearly wasn't happy about Nora Dunn being gone. And then she went into like a Sweeney Sisters uh, almost thing, which is what she did with Nora Dunn. And then Phil Hartman comes out, who was not happy about Nora Dunn being away. There was a lot of stuff going on underneath the surface of that. Of this weird protest. So anyway, that's Jan Hooks. And then the next sketch was called Cool Might, which uh, starred Kevin Nealon, um, Dana Carvey, John Lovitz, uh, Rob Schneider in his very first moment, uh, Victoria Jackson, Jan Hooks, Phil Hartman, and a dog. And it was about uh, Andrew Dice Clay was shrunken down to like a G.I. Joe size. And he gave advice to a bunch of leather clad Brooklynites uh, on, a, on, a, uh, on, a, uh, on some steps in front of a, in front of a brownstone. Uh, and it was, again, loaded with the Andrew Dice Clay Brooklyn stuff, and he's going to give advice, but he's a little dude, and he almost gets eaten by a dog because he's miniature. He's miniature Dice doing the same thing. And you had all these guys playing the same characters, so it took the Dice persona, took five guys from the cast, you know, dressed them all in leather, and they did all their bad Brooklyn accents. And the joke was that Dice was small, and he almost got eaten by a dog. And then Phil Hartman shows up as an authority figure, as he often does, as a cop. Um, and uh, everybody else is doing the Brooklyn, New York, you know, Dice thing. Again, not funny, not inspiring. And again, keeping Dice on a leash. And that's one of the, one of the recurring things and recurring themes and recurring jokes is that they kept Andrew Dice Clay on a leash uh, on this. And the writers, in addition to keeping him on a leash, that they did at least acknowledge, you know, that he was on the show and they made meta and self-referential jokes about it. This, however, cool might with miniature little uh, Andrew Dice Clay did not work. Next was your second musical performance. Again, it took two musical guests to replace one great guest, Julie Cruz. Uh, and she, her, her performance was great. She did one of the songs from uh, uh, Twin Peaks, and that's great. That's lovely. Twin Peaks was huge at the time. And then uh, this sketch, again, John Lovitz, who, by the way, John Lovitz was heavy in this, because John Lovitz, of course, was in, you know, um, he was... Um, in uh, 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 Adventures of Ford Fairlane, which, by the way, opened on my birthday that year, <laughs> as they mentioned in the opening. But uh, so John Lovitz was featured in almost every sketch. And whenever it was kind of uh, dice heavy, 
Lovitz was there to support him and to work with him. And so this last sketch that they did together, which I think was actually very funny, was a takeoff on Raging Bull. It was in black and white. It was called Ridiculous Bull. And of course, one of the legendary scenes in Raging Bull is when Robert De Niro asks Joe Pesci to punch him in the face. I go, I want you to punch me. I want you to lay me out. I want you to hit me. And it's all about him harder, harder, you know, like popping him, you know, punching him. And it's all about, you know, how Jake LaMotta makes his brother punch him in the face until his cuts open up because, you know, that's what Jake LaMotta does. Well, in this sketch, it's, it's Andrew Dice Clay playing Jake LaMotta and um, John Lovitz playing uh, LaMotta's brother, you know, Joe Pesci. And it's basically punch me, hit me, hit me, punch me. And it just, it, you know, keeps getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and you'll hear a little bit. I'll play a little bit of it. This is Ridiculous Bull in black and white, a satire parody of Raging Bull. I actually thought this was funny. It's Lovitz and Dice. Break the plate on my head, Joey. <laughs> Do me a favor. Break the oh, plate on my head. Hit me with the plate. I'm asking. I'm your brother, Joey. Hit me, Joey. Hit me with the plate. Harder, Joey. Harder. Pick up the glass, Joey. Pick up the glass. Pick up the glass, Joey. You see, Joey? You see, I'm still standing, Joey. I'm still standing, Joey. Do me a favor, Joey. Pick up the bat, Joey. What? Pick it up, Joey. Crazy. I'm crazy, huh? I'm crazy, huh? Hit me with the bat, Joey. Hit you with the bat. Harder. You see, Joey? Look at me, Joey. I'm still standing. You ain't ever gonna get me down, Joey. You ain't ever gonna get me down, Joey. Joey, you're my brother, right? Yeah. You wanna do me a favor? Pick up the bowling ball, Joey. It's ridiculous. Hit me with the bowling ball, Joey. Come on, let's go to the game. Joey, I'm, I'll kill you, Joey. I'm telling you, you're gonna make me snap, Joey. Hit me with the bowling ball. But, Jake, Hit I me. really don't. Smash my skull in, Joey. Smash my skull in with yeah. the bowling ball. Harder, 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 harder. You see, Joey? Look at me, Joey. I'm still standing, huh? Don't try to learn Joey. Joey, pick up the sledgehammer, Joey. Pick up the sledgehammer, Joey. I'm going crazy, Joey. Smash my skull with the sledgehammer, Joey. I'm telling you, smash my head and we smash. You ain't gonna do it, Joey. You ain't gonna do it. I'm your older brother. I'm telling you, smash my head and Joey. Pick up the microwave, Joey. Pick up the microwave. Hey, do you got a spot on your shirt? I got a spot on my yeah. shirt. I got a spot on my shirt. Yeah. Where's this? Yeah. Look at me, Joey. I'm still standing, Joey. I'm still standing, Joey. Go. You think you're going to get You want to go? You want to go? You want to do me a favor? Pick up the refrigerator, Joey. <laughs> Smash my skull with the refrigerator, Joey. I'm your brother. I'm telling you, Joey, I'm your brother. Hit me with the refrigerator. Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. Smash my head in with the refrigerator. I'm gonna kill you. Go ahead. Hit me with the refrigerator. You see that, Joey? Look at me, Joey. Look at me. There you go. All right. So then it just <laughs> And it's obviously it's more visual than what you hear. But I mean, obviously what it is, is hit me and then just pick up this and pick up that. And it keeps getting bigger. The microwave joke, which got cut off there because uh, the footage that was available uh, where I found it, they cut off the joke for some reason. But he says microwave. Uh, this is 1942. What's a microwave? That was that joke was missing. But smashing a microwave and then a refrigerator. I don't know. Uh, I thought that was a very funny sketch. It still makes me laugh. Uh, so ridiculous bowl between <laughs> the parody of Raging Bull. Uh, where they're just basically smashing stuff over Dice's head for five minutes made me laugh. Very stupid. I will completely admit it, but it uh, it made me laugh. All right. Kevin Nealon comes out to continue the we are protesting Dice theme <laughs> that has popped up during this episode. Uh, and uh, so here's uh, here's Kevin Nealon, you know, who follows up what um, Jan Hooks did a little bit earlier, can, continuing the we are protesting Dice meta joke. Hi, I'm Kevin Nealon. Earlier, you heard from my fellow cast member, Jan Hooks, about her objection to Andrew Dice Clay hosting tonight's show. While her form of protest, walking through sketches, is uh, certainly valid, I've chosen a different means of expressing my outrage. Tonight, I am refusing to appear in all but three sketches. (laughs) 
I feel that by doing only three sketches and really scoring in those three, I would make more of a statement than by appearing in six or seven sketches in small supporting roles. Now, I know this stance may not be popular, but as a comedian, I've never particularly cared about popularity. I just want you to like me. I'm Kevin Nealon. <laughs> So there you go. There's Kevin Nealon uh, protesting. So the all the protesting jokes continued throughout all the way till the end. Uh, and that was the end of the show. Uh, and then we get to the good nights. Uh, not a very good show. A few funny things. Uh, I love the Jan Hooks thing. I love some of the meta jokes. I liked uh, the opening. I thought the opening was kind of funny with the, It's a Wonderful Life and the devil talking about whether dice, you know, never have been born and all that stuff. And they did do a nice job uh, acknowledging it. Because uh, you can't do that show because millions and millions of people were watching it because of all the controversy and the news that it caused. Um, but it was not a good show. And it wasn't necessarily Dice's fault. I think he was nervous. Without question, he was nervous, especially getting heckled as soon as he walked out onto stage. And those people had to be dragged out and arrested. Uh, so that's going to put a little, you know, a little problem. It's going to give you a little problem to try to be loose and fun. Uh, but, you know, like he was very, very nervous for the first part. By the time they got to Ridiculous Bowl and they were smashing stuff over his head. That was funny, but uh, just, you know, the material wasn't very good. Um, a couple of good sketches, a couple of funny moments, a couple of good things during update. Um, and, uh, and that's about it. So these are the good nights. Now in the good nights, the good nights were normal. Now, as you know, at good nights, the host comes out, the musical guests are out there. The host says some things, says good night, says thank you to the musical guests and the special stars. They all hug and they all do this thing and blah, blah, blah. And nothing was mentioned. So as you hear, there was no mention of the protest. There was no mention of Sinead O'Connor. There was no mention of any of the controversy. All of that had already been acknowledged pretty much <laughs> from the monologue on. And this is the good nights until Don Pardo comes on at the end. And this is, I think, besides the Jan Hooks thing, this is my favorite part of the night. And it's all the voiceover that Don Pardo does at the end. So here is Andrew Dice Clay saying good night. I'd like to thank the Spanish boys, Julie Cruz, the cast of Saturday Night Live. Did you have a great time? All right. And I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mother and every other mother out there. Take care. We'll see. Saturday Night returns next week for the final show of the season with host Candace Bergen and special musical guest Mark Knopfler and the Notting Hillbillies. I still don't understand whether Nora was here or not because I announced her at the beginning, but then she wasn't on the show. Oh, well, nobody tells me anything. Until then, this is Don Pardo saying, this is Don Pardo saying goodnight. I love Don Pardo. Uh, so then they, they, at the very end, they acknowledge the Nora Dunn thing. They acknowledge the fact that she, in fact, was in the opening credits and all of that. So overall, um, not a very good show. Um, but uh, it wasn't Dice's fault, and they kept him under leash. They did, however, have uh, a seven-second delay. They insisted upon it, um, but they never had to use it. So it was really, you know, uneventful and not very good. Uh, except for the protesting at the beginning, it went pretty smoothly, but again, not very good. Notable for a few things, like a couple of casts made their debuts, and uh, and uh, and that's basic. And it was the beginning; of the it was the first show with the dancing Statue of Liberty. Those are the big takeaways from it. Now, the next week was the season finale, and it was over, and Candace Bergen was the host. Nora Dunn did come back, and uh, by all uh, accounts, she was not greeted happily by the cast, and she did not come back the next year. So this was indeed the next, the following week with Candace Bergen was indeed Nora Dunn's last show. And uh, it was also John Lovitz's last show. Uh, but Nora Dunn would not come back. She was not happy. And she uh, left a bitter taste in her co-star's mouths that continue to this day. Uh, a lot of the people were really angry about it. Jan Hooks, until, th until the day she died, was not happy about Nora Dunn pulling this stunt as they saw it. Um, but it seems a little bit uh, insincere and weird that she would do this um, and anyway, this is a segment. Let me just read to you from the book. And again, this is the Bible for all uh, for all uh, Saturday Night Live fans. If you do not have Live from New York, the complete uncensored history of Saturday Night Live, as told by its stars, writers, and guests by James Andrew Miller and Tom Shales. If you don't have this book, uh, you should get it because it's great. 
And here is a bunch of people talking about this entire episode, the week leading up to it, the Nora Dunn thing, Sinead O'Connor thing, and the Dice thing. It was, you know, obviously it was a legendary episode. It was a legendary moment in time for this show. Rick Ludwig, who was the NBC vice president of Late Night, said, I will admit it was a professional mistake for Lauren when he first said to me, what do you think? Uh, Andrew Dice Clay is being offered to us. Andrew Dice Clay was then the hottest thing in comedy, and my um, reaction was, yeah, we should do it. I know he was controversial, but Saturday Night Live was no stranger to controversy over the years, and frankly, controversy can help ratings. And Lauren obviously... I had the final say, and I agreed to it, but it was only after I agreed that I caught Andrew Dice Clay's concert film on, on HBO or someplace, and after I saw it, I thought, oh, my God, you're going to catch so much heat. Um, I didn't realize just how misogynistic and mean his act was. On the night of the show, the network broadcast standards people insisted that Saturday Night Live put on a delay so that Andrew Dice Clay, if he said something or did something that needed to be cut, it could be cut via seven-second delay or whatever it needed to be. Nowadays, you can do all that stuff electronically, and it's much, much easier. And the method of delaying the video uh, and the audio, it's much, much easier. But in those days, it was still a matter of having one reel of tape on one machine recording the program, and then literally that tape sort of going down to the floor of the tape room and back up to the second machine so that they could play it back. Lauren was very wary of this system because you never knew... Uh, and it was untested and unreliable as to whether it was going to work. And as it, as it turned out, there was no point in the show where we had to use it or cut anything. Uh, and because of the technical nature of the thing, it seemed like a jury-rigged system. Saturday Night Live is live, live, and if someone is going to say fuck, it's going to go out over the air. At least on the East Coast in America, we'll hear it. Um, you can repair it for the West Coast. And everybody hated the idea of using that delay. Bob Odenkirk said, Lauren waits until the last second, and then he picks whoever's hot. He and Jim Downey picked Andrew Dice Clay, and I don't think they knew who he was or what he did, and I don't think they had ever hated, uh, heard his act before, and they were very shocked. Nora Dunn, here's what she said. I didn't hear about Andrew Dice Clay hosting until Monday. I was very familiar with his work. Um, he had a routine about sticking a woman's head into a toilet and fucking her up the ass and telling her to make him some eggs. Where's the joke there, Nora Dunn says. Victoria Jackson says, I think Andrew Dice Clay thing was totally a publicity stunt on Nora's part. She had uh, other comics. that We've had other comics that degraded women like Sam Kinison. Sam made fun of Jesus Christ. And although I'm a Christian, I still went to work that week because my contract wasn't based on I come to work if I approve of the host, quote unquote. If Nora's passionate platform of life is women's rights, she was meaner to me than anyone in my life. And I am a woman, so obviously she doesn't really love women. That's Victoria Jackson. Lauren Michaels says, I came back on a Sunday. Nora Dunn announces to the press that she's not doing the show. It would have been nice if she called me, uh, you know, to offer. But I was really disappointed uh, and, and to put us in danger, actually, I mean, all of these radical feminists were sending us hate mail. We had to call in security. I didn't even know who Andrew Dice Clay was. I didn't care. It was just like the host, Steven Segal. We got through him. We can get through this. So uh, Lauren Michaels thinks that uh, Nora Dunn's little stunt or her protest put them in danger. Andrew Dice Clay says, I didn't watch Saturday Night Live every week. I was out. When that show started, I had to be, I don't know, 15, 16 years old. I really wasn't into comedy at 15. So in those days, I was out on the weekends, and I wasn't a Saturday Night Live freak at all. My management got the call about hosting, and I actually got the call from my dad, who was advising me back then. Uh, he worked with me and my manager. And I was back in New York, and I was getting ready for my Ford Fairlane movie to open. Uh, and the funny thing was, I just wanted a nice, relaxing week before it opened because it was, I was really going through a lot of controversy as it was already. I just wanted to take it easy. My dad said it would be a good thing to do Saturday Night Live. It's right before the movie comes out. He says, you'll have fun. And he said uh, that you should do it. And I said, all right, I will. So I'll never forget it. I show up and I'm waiting in some reception area with my father, my sister, my right-hand man at the time, Johnny West, and another guy who worked for me. I'm waiting there for a long time, like an hour. And all of a sudden, this girl walks in and says, Lauren will see you now. Uh, but he's not really crazy about what's going on. And I go, what? What's going on? She goes, Nora Dunn walked off the show. And I go, right, you know, what do you want from me? So now I go into Lauren's office, and he sits down and starts telling me about Nora Dunn walking off the show. And I'm sitting there looking at him like, who cares? What do you want from me? She walked off the show because of you, he said. And then I look at him and I go, who is she? I don't, I don't even watch the show. I'm not interested. I mean, of course I know about Belushi and Chevy Chase. I've seen their movies, but I never watched Saturday Night Live. And Lauren goes, don't you know the cast here? And I said, no, I'll be honest, I never watched the show. I know Dennis Miller because he shows up when I'm performing. 
And then it just turned into mania. The next thing you know, I'm getting calls from Entertainment Tonight, and I'm getting calls from these different tabloid shows. What was supposed to be a fun-like week turned into the most stressful week I've ever had in my entire career. To this day, when I turn on the tape, uh, and you can see the blood in my face, my blood pressure was through the roof. I was out of my mind doing that show. It wasn't fun. I'll tell you this much. What really bothered me about the whole thing is that the performers were supposed to know the character, uh, that the character that I do is comedy. It's not real. I'm playing a character. When I heard at the end of Nora, that it was the end of Nora Dunn's contract, I'm going, well, this is a publicity stunt to make herself something. In my opinion, she was just looking to make something out of her career after Saturday Night Live. The one good thing, the ratings were incredible. It was the only time, you know, in the few times I've seen Saturday Night Live that they threw people out of the audience. I mean, I got heckled during the opening monologue, and they had to throw people out. That's, it was all kinds of security. There were a bunch of people in the balcony that they threw out. I never met Nora Dunn to this day, and obviously it didn't work out for her the way that she thought it would. And you know what? That's what she deserved. I guess she thought she was going to be some sort of major star after that, and that's not how you become a star. I thought it was a very foolish move for her to do. Um, and Nightline uh, is this great show, uh, and then they put me on there. It's like it's a whole world affair. Look, I'm a comic. I'm just a bozo from Brooklyn. I couldn't believe all the news that week. Jan Hook says, I know there was a meeting before Nora was due in the following week. Um, I think she had to do one more show, show, and we did a vote. We were like, get her out of here. Get her out of here. Victoria Jackson gets the final word. She says, I ran into Nora's manager a couple of years ago in L.A. Uh, this was in the, this was in the uh, uh, early 2000s. Um, he mentioned that he represented Nora, and I'm like, oh, great. Um, I couldn't hide that I wasn't thrilled. And he goes, I'll tell her you said hi. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So the next week I saw him again, and he goes, I told Nora that you said hi. And she said um, she kind of gave you a bit of a hard time when you were working together. And I went, oh, so she actually admits it. Cool. I thought maybe it was all in my head, you know but it wasn't. So those are the thoughts of the people who were there. That's from the book and, uh, and the show itself. You know, as controversial as it was, as newsworthy as it was, as the hype was built to unbelievably huge proportions, it was not that big a deal. The show was not that big a deal. And Dice, of course, his career fizzled after that, and uh, um, the Ford Fairlane bombed at the box office, and his career was pretty much over. He still works. He still tours. He still does his thing. He shows up in movies, and he shows up on shows. Um, you know, he was in a show called Vinyl, which I thought was terrific. He was great in that. He's shown up in a few Woody Allen movies. Um, he was in A Star is Born with Lady Gaga and, uh, and Bradley Cooper and was great in that. I think Andrew Dice Clay is a very talented guy. I think he's a good actor. Um, and he always has that shadow over his head about this horrible, misogynistic, homophobic, and xenophobic character that he played. Um, for a while it was funny, and then it wore out its welcome, and I think the fan base really ruined it for a lot of people. But his one time hosting Saturday Night Live, never came back and uh, did it again, uh, is memorable only for the fact that... Um, it was newsworthy, and the ratings were through the roof. But not a very special show altogether. So there you go. Uh, that's, uh-oh, it's Dice. <laughs> so thank you, everybody, for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. If you uh, want to leave us a voicemail with your suggestions or questions or comments, 773-417-6948. Send an email to this podcast and to my other podcast, the Nick D Podcast, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Radiomisfits.live, here are our 24-7 streaming service, radiomisfits.com, where you can find a ton of great podcasts. Please take the time to rate and review us. My thanks to Ed at Radio Misfits and to Jason Skaggs, who wrote the opening theme that you heard and this closing theme that you're about to hear now. Once again, thanks very much for listening. I'm Nick DiGilio. Join us next time for a brand new episode of That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. Take care. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs>